right. Hey there. Good morning. My name is Chris Townley. I'm a student pastor around here. Let me just say that it is a privilege to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Uh, just so you know, you have shown up on the most wonderful weekend. You see, you are actually a part of history right now. That's right. Breathe it in. History. Okay, you see what's happening. You may, may have noticed this, right? This is our last weekend ever at Heritage Christian School. Last weekend ever. Let's, let's clap for that. Okay. That's right. Last weekend ever. You see, next weekend, we will not be here. We will be meeting out at the Commons at Baxter and Love on the corner of Baxter and Love. And right, so you'll be able to find it. It's the only building out there, really. And that, that's where we're going to be, and it's going to be a grand celebration. All right, so if you please would not show up here, show up there with a boatload of friends, pack them in a bus or a trailer or whatever you need to do to get them there because it's going to be quite the celebration. All right, remember the commons. Okay, we'll talk about that again. The other thing that you need to know that you are a part of something wonderful is that I'm going to finish our series, Ghost Stories, that we started last weekend. All right, this is our second and final week and it's going to be called Skeleton Bones and the Impossible. All right, so it's going to be a little scary once again, right? Uh, at this point, you're probably wondering why I'm carrying around this staff. That would be a fair question. All right, so I, I'm, I'm carrying this staff so that you can bear witness to the impossible. All right, you see, way back in the day, there was this older, clamoring fellow named Moses, Right, And he was kind of on a wayward track until God got hold of him and started to do all these crazy, amazing things with Moses. And so then there was this one time that, that Moses was carrying his staff, and God said, why don't you throw that down on the ground so that I can turn it into a snake? And it was, it was kind of God's way of saying, like, let go of what you think is important. Right, of what you're holding on to so that I can do something amazing, something completely blowing your mind. Right? And, and so Moses listened, and, and he threw down his staff just like this, and it turned into a snake. Today, it did not turn into a snake, but it landed awfully close to my snakeskin shoes. You see, these were a gift from my friend who lives in Sudan. These were handmade in Darfur. And so I needed to come up with a reason to wear them. And so there you go, the Moses story. Oh, there, there, there's more for you today too, okay? And that's not all we have. And so we got pretty close to reenacting the impossible. We get the idea, right? But, but we're going to move on from there. You see, last week when we started ghost stories, right, we talked about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, and every day, we have to decide if we believe that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. We have to decide if we believe that the Holy Spirit contains the power to make the impossible possible, right? If it's really to our advantage that the Holy Spirit is working for us, and we have to decide if we actually believe in the miraculous, which we almost got to see. Right, and so that leads me to the question, have you ever had an experience where, where you just had something that seemed completely impossible facing you? And, I, and I'm sure you have, right, because I have too. And I want to tell you about one of those experiences. A few years back, 
my wife, who was my fiance at the time, was studying abroad in Italy. And so I decided I would just, I would suck it up and I would go visit her. It, you know, it was a huge hassle, inconvenient, this ocean. I crossed it, whatever. And I, I ended up in Italy. And so I was, I was going to spend five weeks there. And then before or after my trip in Italy, I was then going to go home and then fly to Brazil to serve with a work team in Sao Paulo. So everything was getting kind of crazy for the next two months for me. And so before I left for Italy, right, I was trying to get my visa to go to Brazil. And it just wasn't working out because they needed my passport, which I also needed to go to Italy. And so that was about the time, right, it became impossible. And the plan was now, all right, Chris, why don't you go to Italy and try and get your visa to go to Brazil while you're in Italy? Or essentially, you know, talk to these people who speak Italian, tell them you're from the United States and you need a visa to go to Brazil because you're going to do a missions trip there and you need it soon. And so when, when I just recount that story in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty impossible. And so fast forward four and a half weeks, I'm a, I'm a couple days away from leaving Italy and I still don't have a visa and the consulate in Rome still has my passport. I was in Florence, by the way. Right, a little more impossible. I was trying just to do everything I possibly could to make it seem impossible. And so I still don't have my passport and visa, and I'm, it's the day before I'm supposed to leave, which I actually wouldn't be leaving, right, if I didn't have my passport. And, and so my wife, Kate, and I, we find ourselves sitting in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which is in fact leaning, and, and we're sitting there looking at it, and we start pondering the impossible situation that's facing us. And so we decide that we actually believe that God is in the business of making the impossible possible. We decided we believed that he was in control, that he did in fact want me to go to Brazil, and that he could overcome this impossible visa fiasco. And wouldn't you know it, when we got back to Florence that day, there was my passport with the visa. It came in the mail. They, they thought, they told us they had it in Rome, but someone had put it in the mail. God, maybe, right? So he is, in fact, in the business of making what seems impossible possible. It's just in his nature. And then I'd say that, that we probably face something that seems impossible on an almost daily basis, right? We can't possibly deal with any more drama in our lives from our friends or from our parents or from our kids, right? We can't possibly make it through another day being yelled at by our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend. We can't possibly find the money to pay the rent or the bills this month or next month. It's just, there's no way it's going to happen. We can't possibly believe that, that we're worth anything, that the things we do are meaningful. Right? Or maybe we can't possibly look in the mirror and believe that we were actually wonderfully made by God, that, that he might love us. We, we can't possibly believe that anyone would love us. And so we find ourselves just staring down the tunnel of all these things that feel so impossible. Right? And, and they weigh on us and we begin to doubt that God's going to come through. And so as we, as we kind of ponder the impossible, I, I'm just wondering if you guys have heard of the disciples. Right? There were 12 of them and then 11 and then there were more after that. You, you might be familiar with these disciples Right? And they were these undereducated, somewhat 
unusable, kind of blubbering young men who followed Jesus around, right? They, they were a little bit messed up, kind of like you and me, at least like me, right? That wasn't meant to hurt your feelings. And, and so there's this story about them in the beginning of Acts, right? The first chapter, and it, and it talks about how they, they were changed. And so we're about to hear from the resurrected Jesus, just keeping the theme of the impossible here, right? Jesus was crucified and died, and the, the Holy Spirit rose him from the dead, right? So he's alive, and this, this conversation happens within the 40-day period in which he was back from the dead conversing with the disciples. So if you would, check out Acts 1, 4 through 5. It's in your outline. It'll be on the screens. You could also use your Bible if you brought that. And then we're going to jump ahead to verse 8. So here's what it says. It's talking about Jesus. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. All right, so there's a gift coming. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, so there's the gift that, that he's talking about. And so he wants the disciples to stay there. And of course, these disciples decide to obey Jesus and stay there, right? Because that's what you do when someone comes back from the dead and gives you instructions, right? You listen. And, and so they, they stayed put. But during this process, they keep like asking Jesus, when is this gift coming? They're kind of bugging him, maybe like kids at Christmas, like when, when do we get open presents, you know, like you tell, keep telling us about this. When's it going to happen? Jesus just says, be patient. Be patient. And then in verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. Right? He went up. And as, as he went up, I'm sure the, those disciples, they kind of just stood there confused like how do we proceed now we knew this was coming we wanted it to come even because it sounded exciting but what do we do now right yet when jesus ascended the holy spirit descended and began to invade their lives and at that moment right a radical change happened in those disciples in those young men think about it right from that point on none of them were the same Right, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit changed their lives. Right, and they had actually been following Jesus rather closely. Right, they, they were kind of in on that. And then they were no longer timid or confused. Right, instead they became bold and courageous and inspired. Right, as they began to declare and live out the gospel of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, and it, and it was such a huge moment in their lives that that initiated a movement, a movement of Christianity that we are still experiencing today with those ordinary men, right? And it wasn't long after the Spirit descended on them that, that Peter preached that message where 3,000 people responded and believed and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Something before that you would never have thought them capable of. And so... I ask you, has your life changed since that moment when you gave your life to Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Has your life changed? Right? Or maybe you're here and you, you want that moment. You need that moment. Right? That moment of change. Because you see, God is in the business of taking what seems impossible and making it possible. 
right? A bunch of these young men, these disciples who, who were unprepared and uneducated and, and just young, right? The, the basis of the Christian faith, really? It's possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, or think about the story of Lazarus, right? Lazarus died, and, and Lazarus' friends, they wanted Jesus to come and heal him, but Jesus is on his own time schedule, and he shows up later than they had hoped, and Lazarus is already dead. And so Jesus gets there, and he says, Lazarus, come forth, right? Essentially, hey, Lazarus, rise from the dead. And soon as, I'm sure, as soon as his friends heard Jesus talking to the dead guy, they're like, man, Jesus has lost it. If he would have just got here a little earlier, we wouldn't have this problem. Right, but Jesus had allowed the Holy Spirit to take command of his life. Right, of course he did. He, he's Jesus. Right, and, and because of that, he tells the dead to live and believes it's going to happen. Right, and we think, just as his friends probably did, that this is completely inexplicable. Right, that can't happen. How would that even happen? The, the guy is dead. Right, but the thing is, it's not inexplicable or impossible that the dead might rise and live. It's just miraculous. Right? It's just miraculous. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is at work and the impossible becomes possible. And so today I ask you another question. Whatever is in command of your life right now, can it overcome the impossible? Whatever you put your hope in and your life in, can it overcome the impossible. So as you're thinking about that, I want to share a story with you that's actually my favorite story in the Bible, or one of them, I suppose, right? It's, it's long been my favorite, but as I've begun to embrace the role the Holy Spirit plays in my life, I've just started to love it even more. And it's in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, and sure enough, it's about Ezekiel. And just so you know, as a warning, I love this story so much that I kind of get excited when I share it. So just be prepared for a shout or something like that. All right, so this story is about Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. I'm just going to walk us through it, right? It won't be on the screens or your note page, but you can go back and check it out. This is what happens. The Spirit carries Ezekiel into a valley filled with bones, right? And he begins to give him a tour of the valley, all these bones scattered around. Like Im immediately, we're like, okay, that's a little creepy, Right? Just imagine yourself, all right, now I'm in this valley full of dead bones. Right? Not, not exactly the place you want to be. And so then the Lord puts Ezekiel on the spot, and he says to Ezekiel, do you think that, that these bones can become living people again? Right? And like, what is Ezekiel supposed to say? You're, you're crazy, God, you loon. Right? They're, they're dead bones. How are they going to come and become people again? That's simply impossible. Right? But Ezekiel is smarter than that. And he says this, you alone know the answer to that, Lord. Right? And so then the Lord replies, now that he's got Ezekiel on his side, he says, well, then why don't you speak a message to these bones? Ezekiel, and you think, really? That's what he's going to make him do? Like, talk about dissing on a guy's preaching skills, right? Hey, here's your congregation. Just a valley full of bones. Right? That's what we got for you. But it, at least you would know your attendance is going to be consistent. And, and so the Lord tells him to say this. This is what the Lord wants Ezekiel to say. He says, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And as I first read that, I think, why do the bones care who is the Lord? They're just dried up bones. They have no mind at all. And then I realize I need to look at it seriously as if I was not wearing snakeskin shoes. And the, the Lord is not trying to convince the bones of anything at all. The, the Lord is trying to convince Ezekiel how powerful he is. And in the process, convince us of the same thing. And so he wants to show Ezekiel his power. So Ezekiel is then obedient and says, all right, I'm in. And he speaks the message the Lord told him to speak. In verses 7 and 8, Ezekiel recounts it like this. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Right, so let's, let's stop there for a second. Imagine you are Ezekiel. Please do that. Just let your mind go to this place. This story is so amazing when you, when you envision what's happening. Right, so you're Ezekiel, and you're about to speak the message the Lord told you to speak, and then as you speak it, the valley of dry bones begin to come together as skeletons. Right, like it was creepy before when they were all on the ground. And now they're being formed as skeletons. I think I would rather just sit in that valley of bones than in this valley of newly transformed skeletons with like muscle growing over them as I was speaking. Right, but, but there's, there's more actually. The story doesn't end there. Though The Lord wants to prove his point again. And so this time the Lord tells Ezekiel, hey, why don't you speak a message to the winds? Right, so before, Ezekiel could see what he was speaking to. Now, his, his audience is invisible. Right? But Ezekiel, right, he's got this valley full of skeletons with muscle formed over him. He's like, I was obedient to the Lord the first time, and he came through. I'm going to go for it again. Right? It's so much easier after we obey the first time and the Lord comes through to obey again. And so Ezekiel goes for it. In verses 9 and 10 it says this. Then he said to me, the Lord speaking, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the messages he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And I'm like, what? Right? Imagine, please imagine, you are Ezekiel again. And imagine the adrenaline that must have been pumping through his veins as these what were once dry bones begin to stand up and have breath in them. Can you just imagine? You would begin to speak with all of your might, right? And, and he was just going for it. And as, as they begin to rise and stand to their feet, can't you just feel the power of the Lord saying to him, Ezekiel, you can do this. You can do it. Just trust me, no matter how ridiculous or foolish or impossible it might seem, would you just trust what I can do? Look at my power. 
right? And Ezekiel is just floored on the spot, right? And the story closes out with verses 11 through 14. Then he said to me, the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Right? And I am sure that the people of Israel held on to that message of hope. And I hope that you would do the same. Right? Because maybe you felt like just dry, useless bones and all your hope is gone just like the people of Israel. Maybe, maybe you felt like that there's no way God would ever want to use you. Right? Maybe you felt like God would never forgive all the things you've done. It's just plain impossible. Right? He could never love someone like you. Maybe your world is just spinning out of control. But take heart, because God is waiting, waiting to raise you up from your grave. Right? In, in Romans 8, 9 through 11, it says this, Right along the theme of the story in Ezekiel. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Blunt but true, right? And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Right? Does that not echo the example in Ezekiel? Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to our bodies, to, to all that we thought was impossible by the power of his spirit within us, right? The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us, right? That same God who showed Ezekiel these amazing things is the same God that we have. The miraculous does not need to be absent, right? So take heart. When you, when you think you are finished, when you think you're standing in this valley surrounded by lifeless bones, right? Take heart because the Lord wants to perform the impossible and he wants to pull you from your grave and help you rise again, right? He wants to breathe his Holy Spirit into you and bring you to life, the life that God intended you to live. And right now, at this moment, it is not too late for that to happen. You see, what, what happens when we rise from our grave, from, from the valley where we are surrounded by these lifeless bones, when we believe in the power of the Spirit, when we let Him rescue us, when we realize how powerful He really is, we can't help but just point to the heavens right in and say, thank you, God, thank you. Thank you for your Son Jesus on the cross. Thank you for pouring your Holy Spirit into our lives. 
Thank you for rescuing us. Right? That is our only response. And I pray that, that we would just leave here today remembering that Ezekiel not only chose to obey God, but he chose to believe that God could accomplish the impossible. Right? So do, do you believe that? Do you believe that God can accomplish anything? Like just imagine if we lived out that belief that the power of the Holy Spirit is in fact in the business of overcoming the impossible. Right? That, that means the impossible in your life. That very thing. Imagine if we lived each day believing that God was going to just do something amazing, something that would blow our minds, something that we could never fathom or think was going to happen. Right? Imagine if we actually lived and believed that God was bigger and more powerful than any supposed impossibility that we might face. Just imagine what our lives would look like. And so just, just come alive and live within the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe that God can do anything. Right, let's embrace that power that's resting inside of us. Let's, let's go out there right, when we leave here and remember that God is that big, that, that God just had something so amazing intended for us when he sent his son Jesus to the cross and began the impossible by resurrecting him. Right? Anything is impo- or anything is possible with God. Let's just put our things aside right now and maybe close our eyes and spend some time with God. Spend some time telling him what you think has been impossible. Give that over to him. Expect him to do amazing things. Have that time with him now. as you're spending this time with God, I'd just like to talk to to those of you who maybe don't have a relationship with God. You you have not yet accepted that that Jesus died on the cross and that he loves you and that, that he wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're sitting here this morning and you think all the things you're facing in your life are impossible, and you can no longer do it on your own, I want to give you the opportunity to let Jesus in on that in your life. So if, if, if that's you, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Pray along with me in the quiet of your heart. Prayer would go like this. God, I, I see my need for you this morning. All the things I'm facing, they seem so impossible. God, and I know that with you anything is possible. Would you please come into my life? Would you forgive me for all the things I've done wrong, for all the sin in my life? Would you come and rescue me from that and begin doing the impossible right now in my life, God? Today, I I give you control. I make you the boss of my life. 
and I want to follow you for the rest of it. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, know that you just made the most important decision you will ever make. Your life will never be the same from this moment on in it. And it's actually so important that around here, we ask that you would be so bold and share that with us. So with our eyes still closed and our heads still bowed, I want to give you that opportunity. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just be so bold as to, to slip up your hand and make eye contact with me so we can celebrate that? Yeah, I see you. God's changing you. God's changing you. Absolutely. You've received the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life right now. I wouldn't want to miss anybody. God, we just, we thank you so much that you would send your son Jesus to the cross for us, that you would pull us out of the impossible situation we were faced with and choose to love us. I pray that we would leave here today, God, believing that you are bigger and more powerful and more amazing than anything we're gonna face. I pray that we would give you that control. Again, we thank you for who you are and we love you. In your name we pray, amen.